Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howell. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard. The drop machine extraordinaire, and I don't know if that's a new hat or not, but it's looking sharp. Matt Butler, how are you, sir? Thank you, sir. Yes, my brother got it for me for Christmas. So. Nice. Yeah, thank that's you. That's like the old school uh, Steve. The Roar and Bevo. Doesn't yeah, it look like Sam Ellinger as a kid when he's storming out? Like the, <laughs> yes, the oh, Longhorn photo. it does kind of look like that. I that's wish freaky. we had Travis Crumb here to shoot our video this week, but I saw this and I was laughing. I was like, that's but that's just show and pure the, emotion of Longhorn Horned them, but it does. Imagine yeah, it if Bevo, like an animated yeah. Bevo, looked like Sam Ellinger as an infant. That's Same what Matt, probably the 50s, 60s era yep. logo. Yeah, I'll wear Not it next it. time we have Travis here, so people can. That's see sharp. It. Yeah, no, it's like good. That. It's good. Yeah. Uh, a man who uh, he's got many variations of Bevo on his clothing because, well, he's mm-hmm. still got a lot of team issued stuff, probably from when he was on. He also has a gray Bevo back now. in the day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's also and and he'll wear it at some point. We'll get. Uh, video and uh photo evidence of it he's got a texas longhorn state champions of texas uh, i do i saw it today in the closet actually i was looking for it it's it's in the closet i wore it in here brought it in here once did i really okay yeah yeah yeah. uh the dots he'll wear it and he still owns it because uh he's a renaissance man here on the show and a renaissance man uh at 104.9 the horn where you can hear him each and every week on the rodcast from one to three lifetime longhorn 2002 ut all-american 2002 semi-finalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003, spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, in the 40 acres where he earned his degree. When he gets his T-ring back, he will wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And, uh, Thanks for the intro, brother. Rod, let's start with the Super Bowl. Everybody knows about oh, the man. game and what happened, but... The big news as it relates to the Longhorns, really there's two pieces of news, and one will lead us into our discussion, which today, this week's show, uh, since we're recording this ahead of National Signing Day, and it's an anticlimactic signing day, These days, uh, we'll wait is, till yeah. next week when all the dust settles and really when we see if Javon Shepard ends up in Texas or not, because quite frankly, drama. that's really all there is to it. We'll have a Tom Herman press conference, too, to talk about on next week's mm-hmm. show, so we'll get to the signing day stuff next week. But this week, I want to really focus on the draft, the senior bowl, some stuff that oh, we yeah. missed the last few That's weeks. Nice. I like that. Uh, and, Rod, I want to start really start with Malcolm Brown, and that kind of leads us into a recruiting discussion of mm-hmm. sorts because, you know, Malcolm Brown, if I told you Malcolm Brown was the last five-star defensive line prospect from the state of Texas to sign with a Big 12 school, would you think that accurate or crazy? I would think that's ludicrous. Well, that's true. Right. 
I, well, I know it's true, but I think. But if you told me that, I'd be like, "That's like that one of those Wilt Chamberlain stats." I'm like, "That's not true. You just haven't done your research." Well, just properly. think about though. Texas and OU now would have to be about the only ones that get five star defensive. Five so when know. you go through your head, it's like OU's not held up their end of the because it, it used to be. They deep. only go to Blue Bloods, but then it's still Texas. We're and talking OU from Tommy Harris right. to Gerald <laughs> McCoy. Like it seemed like they always had one. They haven't had yeah. one since. Why really. you got to bring up two OU defensive tackles, man? Yeah, well, just saying that. Well, I'm saying that they're not even. Been holding up their right. end of the stick. Texas is still in our crappy past decade, got some of these type of guys, and still we're getting five star defense alignment. I haven't seen that from them, and I wouldn't expect it from the other. And it's not like so the that's state. just showing that Texas and OU aren't holding I up know, their the end. The fact that Tom Herman got one at U of H and was the first uh, yep. what power, group, of five. group of five school to get a non power mm-hmm. five school right. to get a five star defensive lineman. I mean, I guess that's hope, but then that says a lot about. Basically, that that guy was supposed to go to a Texas mm-hmm. or an Oklahoma. Um, so yeah, thankfully I mean, it, we got that guy. It, it shows you about the overall perception of the league, though, in the Big Twelve yeah. too. That's why you know the NFL ha- even has a negative perception of the Big Twelve because of things like that, and it affects the draft. It does. I always said Deontay Foreman was negatively affected by the perception of the Big I, 12. Yeah, I agree. Just that artificial a, numbers. And, yeah, yeah, that it was, ah, he's running against trash mm-hmm. defenses and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, I, maybe some of that is true, but not all of it is true, and now we're, that is that, that perception is being shattered, you mm-hmm. know, with Texas versus Georgia and looking at some of the bowl matchups this year. And all the know, skill talent across the NFL yeah. from the Big 12. So what the Big 12 has often had is a perception problem, you know what I mean? Yep. And, and it's not that. like the state hasn't been producing elite Great defensive talent, line prospects. Yeah. Miles Garrett, Solomon yeah. Thomas, Marvin Wilson, leaving Caleb on Chase on. Yeah, yeah. it's a problem because in the state, the state, whatever mm. happens in the state of Texas directly affects the Big 12 and vice versa. And this is the lifeblood of the Big 12 is the state of Texas. Tiny little valve that maybe got let off a little bit is Urban Meyer's gone, not coming to Texas to raid all of the talent because he just said Solomon sure. Thomas. And there was a handful of guys that he was getting, I mean, even on the offensive side with Dobbins. So that's one thing that we really don't notice, but could maybe have just a few extra players stay in the state. And then if Texas can continue to grow, OU has their momentum right now. Maybe I'll get back to that soon. By the way, Rod, real quick, I don't want to get us too far off on tangents. I want to get back to Malcolm Brown here in a second. But looking at that 2017 NFL draft, there were four running backs taken in the third round. Okay. Deontay Foreman. Yep. Alvin Kamara. That's a good running back draft. Kareem Hunt. Ooh. And James Conner. <laughs> Hold up, what draft was that? 2017. 16, all in the same round. Deontay Foreman's the only third-round running back that that hasn't been to a Pro Bowl. That's in the third round? In the third round. That's all those guys. I mean, if you look across every year. And I know that is the case every year. That's why. That is a hellacious third round. That's why Le'Veon Bell ain't getting paid. Well, not to go deep down that. and Yeah, not to go deep down that that, that rabbit hole. But, you know, you look at Todd Gurley this year in the Super Bowl. You know, and, and I, we don't know what the hell's wrong with Todd Gurley, if he's hurt or if he's not hurt, but Shunny that's the Michelle. highest paid running back in the history of the NFL, uh-huh. and yet he wasn't able to make a significant impact or a significant enough impact in the last two games of the season for the Rams. Uh, you look at what the Pittsburgh Steelers were able to do with James Conner without Le'Veon Bell. Man, the Cowboys will have a big decision to make with Zeke. Oh, yeah. I know they're going to pay him, but that's a mistake. Man, it, it is. You no, know, it, it's a huge in that mistake. same draft. That same draft, the Chicago Bears take Tariq Cohen in the fourth round, and it's really a bummer for those players. Third and fourth round, the ones Rob, that that's, can beat more than that's anybody. Four, wow. four Pro Bowl running backs 
in the third and fourth round in the same draft. I know, and there's rumors now. Don Graziano says that the Texans are gonna try to sign Le'Veon Bell. I'm like, that'd be the worst mistake ever. Why? Just go, just go draft in the fourth. If round. Deontay's healthy, if Deontay's healthy, he can split exactly. out. He was doing that type of so, stuff before I, he got hurt. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that's that's gonna happen. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the value of the running back yeah. position, man. I mean, it's, and that's and when, that's when everybody it too. It wasn't just the perception of the Big Twelve, but also the value of the running. Everybody back. knew that uh, with the when the Patriots moved wow. up to get Sony Michelle in the second round last yeah. year, they was like, oh, man, did we screw up and not get this guy the right draft grade? Because why the hell is Belichick going up to get a running back? That shocked people. And then I think the, uh, Pete Carroll did it too, right? Just didn't the Seahawks draft their running back? Rashad Pitt. Oh, they drafted him pretty early. Yeah. Uh, early and then before thought. him, Chris Carson, another Big 12-er that's just your random yeah. Oklahoma State running back that's in the NFL. Yeah. Like, but, uh, but I guarantee you the Patriots will not re-sign Sony Michelle. Oh, no. Like, no. Get, no. Well, they'll let, go he get Paylor like the Spurs. Yards, it is, but if Belichick is there, there's no reason. It was like they would always let Legarrett Blunt go get paid off of his big postseason, knowing that he'd probably get cut and get to come back to you. And you see this, like even in the NBA, whenever you're able to draft the Spurs, just constantly have to tell players, "No, Boban, go get thirty million. No, Jonathan Simmons, go get thirty million. Go, Kyle Anderson, get your money. We can't do that." And that's why, if the Cowboys are smart, they would do with this running back quarterback situation and move on. Man, you bring up so you bring up Sony Michelle, and that that's a good segue to get us back to Malcolm Brown because I can't think of a team that's drafted at the back end of the first round as much as the Patriots have that continue just to find value there. Malcolm Brown being one of those guys. Realize Malcolm Brown started three Super Bowls in a row. Now, and this just kind of shows you the good and bad of playing with the Patriots organization. The Patriots did not pick up his fifth-year option, of so Malcolm Brown's going to hit the free he's agent free market agent, as yeah. an unrestricted free agent, and he's going to somebody. So Trey Flowers, they don't give a damn. Right, <laughs> and that's right, what I was exactly. just saying. Somebody's going to pay him, but yeah. they've got they got what they felt was good work out of Malcolm Brown. Started I think fifty regular season games out of the sixty-one playing of, of 10, eleven postseason games. He started ten. That's three Super Bowls, and with the Patriots winning the Super Bowl, Malcolm Brown joins Dan Neal. Casey Hampton, wow. Terry Orr, and Aaron Ross as the only Longhorns to win multiple Super Bowls. That's crazy. Yeah, no, it's I agree. Amazing. With you. That is amazing. You just hope. I mean, and he's only is, been in the league four years. I know this is like, and some guys have this shot, right? If you're, you know, if you're like Charles Amenahu, you got a shot to like land with the Patriots, like at the back <laughs> end of the first round. If you right drop right. that low, yeah, well, that, yeah, exactly. If you <laughs> drop that low, you know what I mean. But that's my point. I mean, that's that could end up working out for you. I mean, mm-hmm. ask guys like Julian Edelman. I mean. Your situation does matter in the NFL, like who you fall oh, to. Oh, it's so much luck involved. It, it, a it's lot a, of whole that people's lives and careers can be decided by yeah, that. It's crazy. By just that situation, being in the right situation, around the right culture, and all that. Kind of, your introduction to being a professional in the NFL. So uh, I, there are a lot of guys coming out, though, for Texas that are really interesting, man, that could – Depending on the situation they end up in, could be perfect. Guys like Gary Johnson and Charles Abinahu. I mean, you know, I, and I, oh, Chris, Chris Gary Boyd Johnson's going to be a Patriot. Discussion that we'll get into. But. I just remember, like the day, it might have been the day after Malcolm Brown was drafted, or whenever I saw you next, Rod. Like, really like I come in to do some prep with Rod, and Rod's like laughing at Malcolm Brown going to the Patriots because it's like we talk about Malcolm Brown and the value he has yeah. and what he could mean to an NFL team, and it's like the Patriots just hang back with that last pick in the first round. Right. It's like. 
oh yeah, we'll take the consensus All American oh, yeah. defensive tackle. Right? That's oh, so ready who's to go. A, who's a perfect fit for our three four. And he's just gonna work his ass off and do nothing else but do. Yeah, that. now he's got a chip on his shoulder. By the way, so along with all the other Patriots, he believes he's the underdog because he yeah. should have been drafted higher <laughs> and he failed the draft. Nobody appreciates him. It's like, a, oh, and, yeah. and then you weren't that perfect good. It's just Patriot. a system. You were just yeah. a Patriot. He's a perfect Patriot. Leaving. Yeah, he really was. So, and that's what the Patriots will find. They'll find the next perfect. It's Patriot. cool that the t- two big D tackles you think of Texas the last twenty years, Casey Hampton and Malcolm, sort of had that same path. Drafted late first to a gr- good organization that fit great to get you multiple rings. And I agree with that. He's just a silent superstar as what you would need to be to be a D tackle. You I know? remember when when Good Casey point. Hampton got drafted by the Steelers. Like people pan that pick. They're like, oh man, that was probably a reach for Casey Hampton. And I'm thinking, what? if you yeah. look at that scheme and look at that guy, that's a, there's probably not a better fit in the draft. Those than are people Casey who Hampton hadn't watched film and hadn't seen Casey Hampton play. That's basically what volunteering up there. Oh yeah. yeah all right. Yeah, now yeah. I know what you know. <laughs> and here's yeah. here's all you need Leading to know about Casey Hampton. Tackles if, at D tackle is is if, almost impossible if, to do. Tell <laughs> Aaron Donald changed the world. Aaron Donald. Yeah, but Casey Hampton was. You're right. You're a team right. of talent. A team of it's NFL insane. players. It's we insane. had like six or seven NFL players on that roster. The he best defense in the nation. The NF- they led us in tackles. Like, how the hell does that happen at D tackle? How can you even? You know what I mean? Like, how's that possible? Think yeah. about how active you have to be at D tackle to lead the team in tackles. Think of the kids he was annihilating those interior linemen across the Big Twelve at that time. If you know nothing else about Casey Hampton, just understand <laughs> that he made the Pittsburgh Steelers' seventy fifth anniversary team. As a defensive lineman, come on now, come on. Yeah, now. That's all you when you're have. Curtain included. When, when you're on the same when you're on the same all time team as like L. C. Greenwood, yeah. Mean Joe Green, Steel Curtain, you, you probably did yeah. pretty good for yourself. Yeah, in yeah the their NFL. entire history is the Steel Curtain. They have like say a Woodson, they have a little bit of uh, Green and what was it, Kirkland, and that was about it. And Casey. Yeah, we made multiple LeVon Kirkland references in the last few weeks yes. on the hey, podcast. Man. Kirkland 300 pound was, linebackers, man. Yeah, like how did, yeah, exactly. Dude, obviously, today it could never exist. No. But back then, so strange that it could, yeah, that guy played. We're going to bring up Cornell Lake next. We'll talk about Darren, <laughs> yeah. Darren Why Perry. Just just put don't him bring in up Merrill Hodge. Why didn't somebody just try a scheme to always target him in cover? Like seriously, <laughs> always whatever you can do, just just make sure that he's covering somebody. However you do it, and they just nineties NFL. That's why. Yeah, if that's you why. could just yeah. drop a random high school football coach from right now into thirty years ago football, it'd be awesome to see what he would do. That's true, random. Yeah, Rod, isn't your connection to the Steelers? Wasn't Mike Tomlin your DB's coach? At, Mike, in Tampa? Well, no, that was a great uh, coaching staff and with the Morris O2, and... the two, yeah, like that. Man, was it? Maybe it was 04. Oh, maybe it was 04 Bucks. Was it 04 05? I think it was 05 Bucks. Maybe it was 05, 05 that I was yeah. in there. Um, it was 04 05. Yeah, man, that's how I know I'm getting old. It was a really long time ago. But um, it, that room was Raheem Morris was like a was a quality control coach. Hell, uh, man, Shanahan's on that staff. Shanahan's a quality control coach on the offensive side. Uh, Monty Kiffin, I think, is the defensive coordinator. The DB coaches, Mike Tomlin in that group. Man, that was a that was a that was a nice staff. There's actually somebody else I'm missing that was on that staff too. Did um, he was Tomlin still always just trying to make sure y'all got out of the stadium that week? Like his cliches are amazing. It's like life no, and death Tomlin always. Was, he's like, nope, he a, you got to sew your eyelids open. Yeah, never <laughs> blink. And it's like, what are you talking about? No, he was a great DB coach. He really was. He was all about detail, man. I remember teaching at Tampa too, and literally like as a stickler about my footwork on the jam and the drop. Like, I remember. He's a technician. Yeah, like you had to get the footwork right because you wanted to make sure. And Coach Akeem would always say this, you know, you got bad eyes, you got bad feet. 
So you'd have to have – he wanted to have your eyes and your feet to be in sync in terms of your footwork on the cover, too, with the jam and the drop. I can still remember it to this day to the point where I could teach it. Mm-hmm. Hell, I don't even know how well I could do it. You know what I mean? But I can teach you money right, right. right. That's, what, that's what Steve, you know, Steve Crow always says. He's like, man, I can teach a lot of things. I couldn't always do those things, yeah. but I can teach them. Mm-hmm. You know, Rod Marinelli was also on that staff. Who was? Rod Marinelli. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was a, dude, that was a ton of, of great NFL minds on this. I do remember that. Oh, well, I remember it later, like researching it. But at the time, I mean, you know, that, that, that was, was just it. a day in the NFL for you. Yeah, pretty so much. <laughs> props to Malcolm Brown for getting his second Super Bowl ring, and uh, we'll be tracking where he goes in free agency because, like I said, he's got a chance now with the Patriots declining the option to uh, go get paid. I wonder, yeah, I wonder what scheme. I mean, th- these days, D tackles, um, you know, it's, it they 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 vary on scheme to scheme. You know, I mean, now that everybody wants the penetrating, um, pass rushing D tackle, they can get in the backfield and and make uh, force negative plays. And Malcolm Brown, I'm sure, can do that, but that wasn't his role with the Patriots. Right. You know what I mean? So I wonder, like, what team, do they want him to play the same role or do they want him to take on a new role? Now everybody wants the, you know, the Chris Jones and the Aaron Donalds, and they want the D-tackles that can penetrate and make plays in the backfield. So I wonder where that leaves in terms of I think the the Lions could end up being a spot for him because I know Matt Patricia had a pretty big hand in Malcolm Brown ended up in New England in the first place. Ravens like those kind of guys. Even Flores down in Miami. It's like both places you're going to need somebody that if you have a good, even though Cameron Wake's so old, but if you have a really good edge rusher the way, the Lions have a couple of them, but you need a more of a traditional D yeah. tackle to consume people. That he'd be a fit because your t- your linebackers coach and your D coordinator now head coaches at those two places. Yeah, I don't understand why everybody in the NFL doesn't have. I mean, I would think that every team with this. This is why the Patriots are what they are, right? And they're why they're so awesome because they are so multiple. Like in that game against mm-hmm. the Rams, they played man coverage more than any team in the NFL this entire season. And in that game, they played eighty to ninety percent zone. Mm-hmm. All right, the McCourty brothers said it's the most zone they've played the entire year. Yeah, so, it was so like basically 85%. they were a different team altogether than anything you had watched on film. How could you possibly prepare for a team that played man coverage sixty percent of the time during the regular season, but switches up and plays zone? Uh, 80 to 90% of the time. They actually were playing bump and run man coverage with a, a, a single high safety against Kansas City. That's why McVay so immediately yeah, so, said, I got outcoached. Yeah, so game to game, they are so different. And this is why we love Tartalando in the, mm-hmm. the Texas-Georgia game, right? Because he truly uh, just re- really made that defense malleable to defend exactly what Georgia was doing. Yes, basically you got, you can't, you got to get rid of your ego. Like, Bill Belichick, strangely enough, doesn't have an ego. He just wants to win. Yeah, he doesn't really care about, like, this is what I do, and we do it better than anybody else. No, he goes with what works, what's going to work best to win this particular game. And that's what multiplicity is all about. So even I would always have a Malcolm Brown on my on my D, on my you know on D my line. roster, I I want a Malcolm Brown. I want I also want a Chris Jones. Like I would want mm-hmm. all those guys because depending on the matchup that week, I'm gonna I may need that guy. But I mean Malcolm Brown may be my MVP that, that game, and yeah. like that's where the like, Patriots are. That every week they can play a different game, and it's basically all from the top down. That Belichick is acquired, and Belichick yeah. has just acquired so much knowledge. He's been defending the evolution of football for 30 years. If you go look all the way back to 87 and 90 with the very beginning when he's trying to stop the Elways and stop Jim Kelly and stuff to where just the knowledge like for a coach now to be birthed in the way McVay is, you haven't seen everything yet. You can be as well prepared and stuff, but the, just that encyclopedic experience that he has and everything, he can quickly adapt and make that adjustment. We talk about good D coordinators making the adjustment after like the first drive or two. You have to see what 
what's there, and then you always are confident that Orlando or a must champ, they're going to get it. Well, Belichick sort of lived his entire football life in it, and he can go every week and send something and put something out there because he's confident that he has the pieces to put him into that situation, even if they haven't done it before. No, um, I agree. But you can't replicate crazy. that because you don't no, have that brain. But that's, what you can that's replicate amazing. is the multiplicity that he put he builds his roster with, mm-hmm. like intentionally. To start it. The, uh, yeah. But then he knows how to use it all. I'm talking about Malcolm Brown and free agency, uh, another connection to the Detroit Lions, and I probably heard this and didn't process it. You know who the defensive line coach for the Lions is? How about Bo Davis? Oh, that's awesome. Oh, Malcolm Brown's that. defensive tackle coach. I actually had heard that yeah. before. Interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. <clears throat> Big time. had made the leap. Just oh, something Andre's been with Bo for a something while. To, something to file away. Yeah, that is something um, to watch, actually. So, we talk about Malcolm Brown, we talk about the Super Bowl, uh, the NFL season is over, but Rod, that means the draft is upon us, and the Senior Bowl wrap, though, we didn't get to talk Senior Bowl much, but really, uh, you know, it's kind of a tale of two two different experiences, right? Charles who goes to the Senior Bowl, checks all the boxes for the measurables, 36 and a half inch arms was really the thing that everybody was talking about, it's the longest arm measurement at the Senior Bowl since 2013, Longer arms than Miles Garrett was measured with in the pre-draft process, so the measurables were off the charts. Uh, he was praised for his motor, his ability to just stay after the play and hustle, uh, which I'm sure Tom Herman and the staff in Texas gave that a big thumbs up, uh, making their program look good with with him doing that. Uh, Rod, I'm looking at a mock draft for Matt Miller at Bleacher Report, which you guys know I trust Matt and his knowledge on everything. Right now, he's got Charles who going with the fifth pick in the third round, which I think what the Senior Bowl did was really firmly establish that Charles Amenahu is a day-two pick. Yeah, How high of a day-two pick, and can he get into that first-round mix, I think a lot of that's going to be dependent on what he shows at the Combine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do. I think, I think he did really well at the Senior Bowl, so he definitely made himself some money. To get into the first round, we always talk about this. The NFL likes freaks. Um, well, they like freaks and freaks and quarterbacks. All right? mm-hmm. So they won't, they like freaks and quarterbacks. There are certain positions that are valued there. Now he is a pass rusher, but you know he wasn't necessarily always maximized in that role. Ironically, I think even though he wasn't always utilized as a pass rusher uh, lining up wide, I think the film makes NFL scouts fall in love with him more yeah. oh, for yeah. the way that Todd Orlando used him because he used so him sometimes yeah, as a guy that could stuff the run and as a guy who was kind of a disciplined uh, you know, uh, gap uh, stuffer. So I, I think he's one of those guys that he can play a multiple uh, front for you, can use him in a variety of ways. But, yeah, if he goes to the combine and does some freaky 40 time and has a freakish vertical, then that could propel him into the first. The first is, unfortunately, all about freak. Mm-hmm. Freakish. That's why they like those numbers. The guy every year, though, or something that, like that. that position, though, there's a couple positions. I mm-hmm. think corners one, offensive tackles definitely one, and pass rushers pass definitely rushers one. Pass rushers one. Every year you see somebody that starts at, like, a midday two pick, and by the end of the draft somebody process, falls in love with they're a mid to late first round guy. Who and is it's, it's usually, like, right around combine time. Yeah. And with edge rushers, we've seen Ziggy Ansah has been a guy that shot off the board. We saw it with Marcus Davenport last year. Just once you, once everybody sees kind of the complete package. And I like Charles Amen, who's a guy, Rod, for everything you just said, might be off the radar because he didn't have one of these – 
13, 14 sack season. I think no, people didn't. might be looking at the he numbers. He could have, though. I think you right. look and you go, oh, yeah, he easily could have But I think that. when people start diving into the film, they're like, oh, my God, like, have you seen this Amanda Who Kids film? Like, watch him playing this four-eye yeah, four like, yeah. four against Georgia and just mashing guys at the point mashing. of attack. Yeah. yeah, and then add on just what, everything that you just said. He has the one position that can go up and get drafted above what, say, your normal slot would be because everybody needs that pass rusher. Then you add on the freak nature. He is one of the few. I mean, you're talking, is he a true almost six? Six six seven, you know, two ninety, and he's that athletic. Six five and, or five eight at the Senior Bowl, so yeah, he's yeah, six. There you six. go. Yeah. And then if you add in the fact that we even saw him dropping into coverage, that just showing that mentally he's trusted by his coaches to do something like that in the modern NFL multiplicity. If we're talking about, he can stop the run. He has a freakish <laughs> frame you could imagine. He right now looks to be as athletic as anybody that size in the entire draft. That's all the little check marks that you need for the guy that's going to soar up the draft boards, especially if he's showing the multiplicity that you say didn't have from a D end in normal years. Rod, I'll let you have the floor on this. Chris Boyd, Matt Miller's got him going fourth round, the 10th pick. Uh, that's number 105 mm. overall to the Bills. You start reading some of the stuff on Chris Boyd's Senior Bowl week, and <clears throat> some of it, quite frankly, wasn't very Not good. good. Not I, I've, I've got my opinion on, on, on this. I think there's a couple things to take into account. I think one – when you're looking at wide receiver DB one-on-ones and you're trying to grade that stuff, nine times out of ten the DB is going to be at a disadvantage because he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know the route concept or anything. The wide receiver has all the advantage in that situation. Yeah. So I think judging a guy solely on that is a little bit unfair. But some of the stuff Chris Boyd was getting nicked for in the game, being a little too handsy, grabbing you know, grabbing Quite outside of that five-yard area in the line of yeah. scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, just watch uh, the film. As, as as Texas fans like to say on Twitter during during games, hey, at some point you got to pay the Chris Boyd tax. Yeah, <laughs> that is. There you go. I like that. The Chris Boyd. It'll be the tax Nickel Roby Coleman tax these days. Yeah. Well, the thing about Chris Boyd is, and we've always said this, right? He's got plays, and <laughs> it is. It's just. It seems to be very consistent with him that he'll have plays when he plays like you think he's a first rounder. He'll make he's a play. He's the first person since Shockey to be great shocky. instincts, great athleticism, and he'll show it all in one play, and then literally the next play. Or the play after that, he'll have a play where he just has a brain fart and he could, I don't know what he does. He loses all his technique. There's no discipline at all. Bad eyes. All, and you always wonder, well, how can a guy who's a senior make mistakes like that? That's Still what, make That's the what same. Chris Boyd should be doing when he was a sophomore or early junior year. So that all the progress that we've seen Chris Boyd make, it is – it's always like a roller coaster, man. Like it just—it doesn't matter. It's, it goes up and then mm-hmm. it dips back down. It goes up. There's no baseline of consistency with Chris Boyd. So there's a lot of work there. There's a lot of raw material too. Yeah. So if you're a, if you're a coach, if you, you love the raw material. <laughs> this is where he's gonna make some Belichick. money. He still got to run a fast forty. I mean, it just—it always is good. But for him specifically, because he hasn't really shown that he is ready to transition to the NFL as a guy that can cover what, at that What do level. you think is – at, at, you know I mean? at the Senior Bowl, he was 5'11 and a half, 192. What's, what's a fast 40 for him, you think? Uh, I mean, is low, is, is low 4'4 four, four, yeah, going to do it? Yeah, he can run four, four, mid, mid four fours to low 4'4s. Four, four, so if he's 4'4'2", 4'4'3"? Yeah, I mean, hell, I think I was four, talking four, like nine, a 4'4'3 or something like that officially. And, hell, man, that, that'd be plenty good for him. If he can, and I think he can run that. I do think he can run a 4'4". But for Chris Boyd, man, the film is the film, the film doesn't really. You don't fall in love with him watching film on him. You just don't. And so, what what makes you fall in love with Chris Boyd? 
it's going to be the physical dimension, mm-hmm. right? It's going to be the measurables. Yeah, he's 5'11", legit. He's got long arms. He's rangy. Uh, if he can run a fast 40, those are the things. It's like the same reason he fell in love with Shockey Brown. It, you didn't fall in love with Shockey Brown because you watched film on him. No. You watch film on Shockey Brown, you go, damn. Who's coaching Shockey Brown? Coach Aquino was coaching that dude. How yeah. the hell? That, that can't be right. Because we know Coach Aquino is telling guys to do what to do things. right and and what kind of technique they should use. And I know and, Jason Washington's a good coach. And he's a good, exactly. We yeah. know that these guys, that Chris Boyd is being coached correctly. Chris Boyd is just having these uh, meltdowns. Brain like, farts. Just, I'm t- no, no. Not well, just yeah. brain He'll have a meltdown with like four plays in a row. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? Negative, negative, and, negative. Like, and people understand, avalanche. like, you know what? We're picking on him now because they know Chris Boyd gets one bad. Play is usually gonna follow the other. That's why I liked in um, what was it? Was the Big Twelve title game where he has the bad play, like the holding, but then comes back and is able to break up yeah. the PBU. red zone. Yeah. Like that showed me a lot about Chris Ball. I was like, okay, that's good. That's what I need because he usually doesn't fight back well to get out of those ruts. And as a corner, I can tell you, trust me, you're gonna get in a rut every now. He and didn't like, do that consistently, and I, I think if you're if you're a scout watching Chris Boyd, to me, the three game stretch to watch from him. Go watch Oklahoma State where he got benched for the first quarter and was not good oh, the rest of the man. day. That's but then brutal. go pop in that West Virginia tape where he locks down David Sills and you're yeah. like, wow, he looks like a first-round guy. Like a guy his first, and, the first two rounds. And the Texas Tech game is the next week where he's great in the first half and then it's like in the fourth quarter – they start, like you said, Rod, they started picking on him. Picking on like, him. if line Antoine Wesley up on Chris Boyd and let him go to work. He just, yeah. He, it's he, like three. Never recovered. Those three games, like, that sums up in a nutshell, like, Chris Boyd's career. Like, yes, on a given afternoon, he can look like a freaking consensus first-team All-American. Exactly right. And then there are times where you're like, how how is, how is he starting? How has he started thirty <laughs> some odd games? have a better option out there than this guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree. And at the, at the bowl game, unfortunately, it was more of the latter. I, from what I heard, they didn't get a lot of flashes of the Chris Boyd. It was like, oh, okay, now that guy what can I be, want. yeah, first drafted in the first two rounds. They didn't get. They got more of the the Chris Boyd who doesn't really handle uh, uh, the trials and tribulations on the field very well. And I did what I did like about him in the bowl game, though. I did like how they used him as a blitzer, which I think that's going to be another thing. Which I to, for somebody whoever drafts him, if he's in that first the range of the first 100 picks, which again this Matt Miller mock draft has him going 105 overall. Yeah. If he goes in that first 100 picks, I think it's going to be the DB's coach and the DC standing on the table saying, "No, let us get this guy because it's, as exactly. physically yeah. gifted as he is, even if he's not a corner, he can be a nickel, a dime, maybe we can move him to safety, but we can find some role for him within what we do. He's got the raw materials. Do. It's he's, like the, um, what's the kid, J.C., is it J.C. Jackson? J.C. Jackson, the, yeah. For the, for the Patriots undrafted, and Belichick basically kept him under wraps for like 12 weeks, and his first, I think, considerable action was in week 12. Yeah, and December. then by the AFC title game, he is matched up on Tyreek Hill most of the game, playing bump and run coverage against the most explosive athlete in the league, an undrafted free agent because Belichick's like, no, he's actually a great athlete. Like He really can run, tools can and we this. need to just have a great athlete against a great athlete. I know it sounds crazy, but Chris Boyd can like, be considered kind of a freak athlete. He mm-hmm. really can't, and I do believe, I'm with you, I think the right coaching staff will, because the NFL coaches are cocky and arrogant, they'll go, uh, he's – Give me this kid for oh, a few he's months. a round two guy. Give We're me getting this him guy in four? for a Exactly. I'm gonna, it's, it's like yeah, the Houghton Hill kind of value. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I get this guy. I'm he was starting in Watch week three. That's how NFL coaches they believe that. Okay, that was gonna be my next question. So, so you you look yeah. at the the exactly. years. Yeah, get him. No, with it, it's just <laughs> like what we were saying before with the landing spot. How certain careers it really isn't up Very to true. the player. If he goes to the upper part of a round to a crappy team that doesn't understand what he can do well, it could go real bad. But Bear, if he finds, the Bears with Nasty Nate. Yeah, <laughs> Bears with Nathan. Well, they got Nathan Bears. They do exactly how to use. 
nasty Nate. And that's you, where the guy you, like him, and I mean, that's why when we brought up Shockey, it was like, can't Shockey still played for the Ravens under a hardball yeah. defense for like five years? It's crazy to think that that what type yeah. of landing spot can really help you that put, much. That and, even and if think, you don't well, even hit what you're what's expected, that you could be that serviceable. So it all come down to think, them getting the value. I think that comes down to an organizational thing too, because yeah. like we've seen with the right. Ravens and Austin yeah. Newsom, they love taking big school guys. They do. Like if you were a multiple year starter, if you they love taking guys from Texas or Alabama or you know the big blue blood name school. Yeah. And while you're that. on it, it uh, you asked you know what would be the forty time like the top ten last year four four five would have been top ten and for example Minka Fitzpatrick who went in the first round he ran a four four six was the eleventh fastest time okay. he's a safety but not a corner if you're a corner that runs that fast and be pretty good. Rod will have mo- they'll have multiple uh, he'll have multiple chances because he'll have it I'm sure he'll do His the pro, pro day, day time and of course also. the Rod would uh, would you like to go over some of your combine numbers, Rod? Uh, hell, I, don't, I think I don't he knows remember. them by now. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, go we ahead. Went I, just, I found that. I found this. This is on uh, DraftScout.com. It's got your combine results. That's what it says. Uh, height has got you at five eight and six something. So. Yeah, that cost me some bread right there because yeah. they thought I was five. I think I was listening five eleven. Text listing. You were Texas. one of the first guys, Rod. Where I'm like, yeah. I saw your combine numbers. I'm like. I was like, I thought Rob Babers was 5'11". He's yeah. been 5'11 for three years yeah. now. Now you're telling me he's 5'9"? They were upset. They were like mad at Roy me. Williams I was like, I was six like I'm, not, I'm not the real. I didn't list myself at 5'11". Roy, Roy Williams went from 6'5 six six to, to like 6'2 six two. Six two and 3'8 yeah, or did. something. Yeah, the long ones. <laughs> yeah. 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 I guess they thought the players were reading the programs. I don't know what. Like they, yeah. It doesn't seem to really matter. But like, the image like, back then, it was like you, it, the you image had the folklore. And you know what Texas did? I looked bigger on film, I would say. that. I looked like I was bigger because my arms were longer. big cleats. Yeah. So Rod, you five nine one wait one ninety two. What are you right now? You mm. uh, probably one seventy five, okay. one eighty. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. Forty yard dash. They got you four four flat. Yeah, I mean, I actually some people said they clocked me at a four three there, like with the handheld time. I was I, at the forty time. I was good. That's why I didn't run it again in my pro day. They were like, "You gonna run again?" I was like, "Hell no, I'm not running again. <laughs> I'm not gonna run a four five out there." I was like, "He's a four five. You're like one of the first ones to wor- make the smart. They always take your worst time. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. I thought it was taking your best time. Like, no, no, they give your best time. Like when they're talking, but they usually your worst time is the one that goes. Like, uh, you know, your twenty yard split two five eight. Your ten yard split one five seven. Uh, twenty two hundred twenty five pound bench, fifteen reps. Yeah, I, that was disappointing. That I should have got that close to twenty. That I was uh, actually, I, I hit the weight room pretty hard. I was, I should have been, I should did better. That was disappointing because I had done like, I think I had done seventeen or eighteen just working out with there with Sims. The, so that was bad. Phil Sims have you on that bench? Yeah, I don't know why. Out. I don't know why I had a bad bench. I can't really figure it out. You're actually. I didn't like the environment that they have there uh, with the bench. It's kind of weird. Like it is. It's kind of weird. Like when they have the scouts and everything around you. Because um, you, 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 you did yours at the RCA Dome, not the new stadium. Yeah, right? and I want to say, you know, it's all about how the strength coach, he wants you to come down to a certain point and touch it and then come. You know what I mean? If he wants you to extend all the way. Some guys, you can see they don't extend all the way. They kind of go halfway. and then, So it's all about how they do it. That little extra uh, may get you one or two more reps, man. And that could, you know. I forgot at the combine. Are you, are a little you, bit higher. You still have a player profile with the Broncos, 2018, and it has all your transactions back to 2005. Like, I don't know why that exists on the internet, that but that's pretty awesome. cool. Yes. Rod Babers, look at you. You got a white face. I got a white face. Well, tell that to the police. <laughs> yeah, the ones while you're taking that Sims car to go work out. That I forgot, awesome. Rod, at the combine, can you bounce the ball bounce the bar off your chest on the bench? Or do I don't you have think to, like, you, pause. No, you have to pause. You got to pause. pause. And I think okay. that's kind of what got me. I want to say I had been bouncing it. Like, beep. Yeah, and I want to say they like you pause for a second and then you go, and that's yeah, that's actually a lot harder. So it got me. Yeah, took me two reps off my bench. 
Uh, vertical jump, 37 inches. Broad jump, 10.07. Should have been higher vertical, too. I had jumped 38 or 39 before. I was, dude, I, I could get up because I could dunk back then as a little small Ooh, dude. I was you cold. 20-yard yeah, yard shuttle, 407. That's a damn good shuttle now, I couldn't do. I couldn't do, I couldn't do a dribbling, but I remember I could do it if I just ran. I never <laughs> dunked dribbling. I did the same thing. Yeah, I when when I was 16, I could run up and barely yeah, dunk. I, I dunked three times. I could dribble it and do it, but I always could run up and do it. But obviously not. And yet. then your three-cone drill, 683. Probably should have been fast with three cone too. My change direction is what I was supposed to be um, heralded for, so uh, I should have been faster. Well, hell, coming in at five nine, we were supposed to be five eleven. You're already starting behind the eight ball anyway. Yeah, so. but yeah, if you're a small guy, right? Change direction is supposed right. to be your strong suit. I was supposed to have a faster change direction than that too. So the forty time is, I think, is what I was. Well, I was worried. Everybody's worried about is a DB, and that's what Chris Boyd's got to worry about. If you can run in the four fours, they consider you good. And, and we talked about this too, Jeff, and, and and we talked about it when the Legion of Boom was booming. No pun intended. But coaches now they have a theory that if you are longer, like basically a you know a, a tenth of an inch could equal like a half a second or you know a third of a second in a forty yard dash. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the longer a player is, the more space they can defend. The Seahawks and, figured out their form. I yeah, think the Bears why, went off the same formula. Yeah, too, that's why yeah. Richard Sherman long and rangy. That's why you know they like you know uh, Cam Chancellor long and rangy. And even Earl Thomas, who's not long and rangy, but he has range. That's his. X-Man ability, right? You can go from sideline to sideline. Brandon Browner was big a corner at the time, so they kind of went old school and they said, all right, if he runs a 4-5 but he's 6-3, hell, that's basically like a 4-4 to us. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's a 4-4. If he's 6-3 running a 4-5, that's 4-4. Yeah. And if he's 5-11 and he runs a 4-4, Bell can say, like, you know what? That that can stretch. He can be a 4-3. With your length and arms, too. With the length too. and everything yeah. considered, too. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Rod. When we talk about Chris Boyd, uh, also – and we'll get to little Jordan Humphrey, little Jordan Humphrey in the seventh round mock, fourth round, the 29th pick, 124 Whoa. overall Whoa. to Buffalo. Uh, to Buffalo. Chris Nelson. No! <laughs> be done. No! Be Josh Allen's best friend. Chris Nelson, seventh, Chris Nelson, seventh round of the Broncos, Andrew Beck, seventh round to the Saints. When we talk about Chris Whoa. Boyd and Chris Nelson, Chris Nelson will be good. when you look at Puna Ford and Holton Hill, the years they had as undrafted free agents, yep. and this next draft, you see a corner out of Texas, you see a nose out of Texas that essentially replace those two guys. Does that not help their stock or at least get those guys a longer look to say, all right, we missed on Holton Hill. Or I don't know if the NFL missed on Holton Hill because no, we talked about it. Miss. There they were, were a number of teams that took him off the board completely. Issues, yeah. because, but a lot of people, I even think you, you brought out, I mean, even the 49ers yeah. won. They had like a second-round grade on them, but said, Everybody, yeah, we, we, we can't, can't touch them. After, they, had too much, they had the Ruben Foster thing. That's why they, they couldn't do it. They had three other guys. They weren't going to add on to that. Yeah, they couldn't yeah. do it. They probably wouldn't. They'd play like this. They, He's probably they kicking himself for not right. doing they it. They loved him. So, but Puna Ford was one of those guys. I think a lot of the NFL teams now look back, okay, we missed something on Puna Ford. Does this let them take a look at Chris Boyd, especially Chris Nelson, and say, okay, Let's make sure we don't miss on anything with either of these two guys this time around. Uh, yeah, definitely does. I mean, obviously, you know, when you start, you know, building a a reputation, uh, and Todd Orlando obviously has a really good reputation in the league. That's not thing helping these guys, by the way. Yeah. Uh, people love Todd Orlando League. They fell in love with him during that quarterback draft last year when they were watching all those quarterbacks, mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. And even Mason Rudolph. The only Mason time Rudolph. they were struggled was always yeah, against and they're Texas. watching these guys, and they're watching the Todd Orlando defense. And I, and know, I, I bet you they watch T.O. film when they start watching Drew Locke, too. Uh, that's mm -hmm. a great point, too, yeah. So they, they, they kind of like the way Todd Orlando uses these guys, and they, they like a lot of the concepts in terms of how they transition 
um, to, to the NFL. So I think that helps them. But I agree with you. I think looking at Houghton Hill now, um, people are saying, man, that was, a, that was a steal. That was great value. So even if a guy like Chris and, and same thing with Puna Ford, extremely great value yes. starting at the end of the year, uh, that if those guys drop, that's the value. That's what the draft's all about to me, man. It's all about value. Those guys drop in the draft. I mean, there could be some some really good teams looking at, like, say, oh, you know, keeping an eye out, like, oh man, Chris Nelson. This guy's dropping in the draft. We could use a really good D tackle. And I actually like Chris Nelson in that. You said the Broncos. Is that where mm-hmm. we have him? Because that, that's Vic Fangio now, right? Fangio, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean, dude. Vic Fangio's a three-four guy. Yeah. yeah. You wanna you wanna make some you wanna you know make some money as a D a D lineman or a front seven guy. Man, Vic Fangio knows how to use those guys. Has a great record with linebackers and D linemen. Um, so yeah, I like that. You said Chris Boyd too. Uh, Chris Boyd going there. Chris Boyd fourth round to the Broncos to the though, Bills to the Bills. Uh, Matt Miller's got two together. Texas guys in the Bills, Chris Boyd and Lil Jordan real. Humphrey. Right? Yeah. He didn't seem excited about that at all. Yeah, I'm not really excited about mm-hmm. that. I'm not well, Sean McDermott's a defensive coach still up there, but I'm not sure like how what kind of system they're running. I gotta do more research, but and the, the whole organization's him, content with just being mediocre. Yeah, I want him to go somewhere where like the Chargers maybe. Like the Chargers yeah. would be a great spot for Chris Boyd. Oh, it'd be he amazing. Have to play because they're really, really deep. Yeah, Adrian. But yeah, it actually there's a there's a connection there. But they have a great History of developing defensive backs. Well, you know what and, I mean, yeah. really maximizing DB talent, and so does the Minnesota Vikings. I think they're one of them too. Jerry I think, Gray getting it done. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's one. I think I'm looking for a spot like that. You know what I mean? So, and then the other guy I want to talk about. We'll talk about LJ Humphrey too. We got some time left, but the, you know, and if Andrew Beck gets drafted, I think the guy Andrew Beck needs to go find. He needs to go find out wherever James Devlin's hanging out this off season, and go shake his hand mm-hmm. because. Right, it's a copycat league, and even though they were doing different things within their 22 personnel package that they ran most of the second half, the fact that the Patriots won a Super Bowl with drives where they had a fullback on the field, you know NFL teams now are starting to go through the – they're talking to scouts, their area guys. All right, I need a list of five best fullbacks in this draft. Pretty much. I totally agree with you. Um, And that's one of the things that we loved about Beck this year was he was an awesome blocker. Like he was a better blocker than he was a receiving threat. He really was. And was a damn good receiving threat. He was, he was, no, not, not disrespecting him as a receiving threat, but he actually was How a great blocker. Was. You always talk about losing three guys off the offensive line. Hey, you basically end up losing your four best blockers mm-hmm. off your offensive front because you lose Beck as well. You know what I mean? So I agree with you. I think there could be a bit of a shift toward teams wanting to use four backs, especially now that – um, there's, there's now, like we talked, the value of the running back position is dropping, but teams are now at least gearing their offenses more toward running the football. They do want to run the football. Even the Saints and even late the Rams, right? They were they, they a team that was throwing it more than they were running. They started to run it more with C.J. Anderson late in the season. Uh, you see that with the bad weather and stuff like that. So I do wonder if, yeah, people. I think half the teams in the NFL don't even have a fullback on the roster. You may see teams now start the fullback, they come back in vote. And the main thing about those teams running, it's to have the luxury to dis- dictate tempo and dictate the type of game you yeah. want to play. If you don't have a running game that you can go to, then you're going to just be a lot easier to defend. So that's why these teams at the top, like you got to have that to be able to just have that baseline that you know that you can, if you want to go and shorten this game or if you want to make it a more physical game or you like this mismatch this week, we can go to that, but we still 
still can be optimal because then that's only going to open up our passing game and we can match and mismatch with the way we were talking about the versatility meaning so yeah. much and you be able to if you can have the also game script and fit any type of game and not be played off the field in say exactly a little right. few minutes span and you see it across all sports and it's the main idea that if you have that versatility the substitutions aren't going to screw you over the matchups not going to screw you over now it's just going to come well, down to the coaches and then the players well nobody uses more personnel packages and more formations than the saints and the saints Hell, they have fullbacks and tight ends. Multiple tight ends. They have a ton of fullbacks. They have wide receivers at tight ends. and tight ends, yeah. So I think if you're kind of going in that mode and you're trying to make sure that your roster has as many uh, possibilities offensively, you know what I mean? Multiply just the way you get one times two times three times four. Everybody should have a Malcolm Brown on their roster. Everybody should have a, a Beck or a Devlin on their roster somewhere. Remember when we talked about probably... exponential growth in the numbers? It's the main thing with the if you have three different dimension or three different formations and you can go and run five things off of it. Well, that's fifteen. But if you say have four that can run five off, and that idea that when you add that one more possibility and start stacking it up, and then you end up having ten different ones. And now we're talking about thousands of options to combine together. And it's just a good example you use right there with the. Saints. And I think even at a at a simpler level, and even what you guys are talking about, if you take a guy like Andrew Beck and there's a franchise and can say, hey, look, he could be our number three slash four tight end that we can keep active mm-hmm. on game day mm-hmm. because he's our number one fullback and he's a core special teams guy. Now, Rod, how many is it active on game day? Is it 47, 48 that they're, they're active on uh, game day? I believe it's 48. 48? 48, yeah. Right? That's one of, he's one of your yeah, make sure. he's one of your 48 or whatever, yeah. but that one guy is taking up essentially oh, yeah, he's got three, three, spots. three total, three total roster spots. 46, 46 okay. Yeah. But you've got one guy that's basically occupying yeah, three, what you would have a three roster spot. Yeah. So that allows you to activate another quarterback or if you need another receiver that week yeah. or whatever. No, nah, you're right. I totally agree with and that. And then, then the other teams that all have single pieces only have 46 men on that roster. If you have guys that can be multiple, that's the idea of manufacturing depth and say you have 13 players that can back up another position. Well, now you, in theory, have 59 players out there if people get hurt because uh, you, you have this guy that fills this role and then can back up this role. This is what I like about Andrew Beck, too, and I love Pro Football Focus, the stuff they put out. Uh, passer rating when targeted among Big 12 tight ends this last year. Only Grant Calcaterra at Oklahoma, which Calcaterra, you kind of count him as a tight end. He's more of a flex guy. Anyway. Yeah, he is. He's, he's, at Mark a, but he's a hybrid guy, Only yeah. Grant Calcaterra and Trayvon Wesco at uh, West Virginia, who Rod, I know you liked a yeah, lot like when this. we went to, got, in, yeah. got into West Virginia week. Only Calcaterra and Wesco had a higher passer rating when targeted among Big 12 tight ends. Andrew Beck's passer rating when targeted, 101.4. And as you pointed out, like those guys are, yeah, they're more flex, like uh, kind of hybrid tight ends. More five-tool tight ends. I mean, that's what Texas has, I think, in Reese Leto and Cade Brewer coming up, uh, where you can utilize those guys and flex them out and split them out. Andrew Wesco, I think, is going to be more of like what we think of as an H-back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's not really what and, what Andrew Beck is. He's kind of a fullback that they use as an H back right. or use as a tight end. Which I agree. I think that's going to help him um, in terms of his transition to the NFL because he can play H back for you and he can play and he can catch. So he can catch and he can block. He can do so many different things. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, the more you talk about it, 
and I, I, he's not going to get drafted really high. Hell, I don't even know if he'll get drafted. But right. Jeff Swain you know I mean? did. But so he, exactly. <laughs> that's but why. I, in terms of him making an NFL roster, it's making more and more sense the more you break it down. And I know a lot of our listeners probably play fantasy and look mm-hmm. at these things. And these this type of conversation is perfect if, say, you're sitting around trying to decide which player to play. And if it's football and he's a guy that can be your backup slot receiver, or like, say, right now in the NBA where you have a power forward. But then he plays eight minutes at backup center. So if that center gets hurt, now he has a whole nother window of minutes and yep. players that you open up. It's the same thing with these receivers, like the way Larry Fitzgerald can back up every position at wide receiver can give you that depth. If you lose mm-hmm. one of your young guys that's developing or whatever, he gets hurt. Well, he can move over and allow another guy that's comfortable in his role. And these other players with the versatility can help be that web that keeps the offense, sort of like the rug that ties the room together. You know, yeah. Rod, and that's what Lil Dred Humphrey's going to make some money. Yeah, yeah that's what, it's, perfect. It's one way of saying uh, I'm a janitor, and then somebody might say, well, I'm a sanitation engineer to yeah. kind of spice Custodian. it up a little bit. <laughs> what you talk what you talk about having great value in the draft. Yeah. Well how I think NFL franchises look at it, hey man, if you take Andrew Beck in the seventh round or get him as a priority free agent, he could do all those things I talk about, core special teams, number mm-hmm. one fullback, number three or number four tight end, and he's cheap. Cheap. That's what NFL teams love. They love cheap. Man, if you can get value if you can get value like that, or to Chris Nelson, like he's our number two nose. Yep. And, and, and we're paying him on a rookie contract. Yep. Hell yeah, we'll That's take. That's why it. the Seahawks loved uh, Puna Ford. Loved him. And and, and, they, they and the Seahawks are one of those organizations. They have a track record. They love undrafted free agents. Oh, guys oh, drafted God. late. Period. Yeah, just value. Yeah. Value. Well, so do the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Cheap. <laughs> Get them cheap. Get them cheap. Payton. Yeah. You know what I mean? like, yeah. I'll, I'll turn this wide receiver, undrafted wide receiver, played lacrosse into my starting wide receiver because he's cheap. You want those are those <laughs> great coaches. It's like how yeah. we used to say like the MacGyver coach was like the college version was just give Greg Davis some tools and he'll figure out something to make it work. But when you see it at the highest level of a MacGyver NFL coach, it's like oh, when I get to pick and I identify all the guys that are viewed as oh those are deficiencies he's he's not big enough there he's not stronger than to this he's like no man this dude has all these tools he should be much higher i'm gonna get him lower and beat you with him and you're gonna think he's bill, a crappy Be- bill belichick's yeah. uh, bill belichick's gotta have made a bunch of money in the stock market when you think about it because you think about how he's, put that, how he's put that roster together he's yeah. like the ultimate oh, man. buy low sell high like, penny stocks and man. when you think about like the big name free agents they brought in like Corey Dillon get him when stock was low. Randy, Randy, Moss. Randy Moss stock was low. Traded for I think traded fourth round pick for Randy look what Moss. he did with Brandon Cooks and some of these picks that when you see these guys yeah. that get traded in season we may see this be done by a smart NBA team with Anthony Davis. Now Lakers will probably get him, but there's the team that can go give it their all to get him for these six months if they're trying to go all in this year, like say the Bucks, and move them before next year and still get all those assets back because you're giving yeah. away Anthony Davis July first for next year to a team that wants them like the Lakers and those they're going to still give you that same big ass trade because they want to re-sign them that's yeah. all they want it for so there might be a team and you see Belichick do that right before the trade deadline with all of his linebackers that he's drafted and be like what you're trading your best linebacker to the Browns what are you doing but you get be able to get those assets mm-hmm. move those assets and then if there's long term on it you can get all those assets back and not basically you got a player for free for six months to try to win a championship yep I mean, you draft, you know, Deion Branch as the Super Bowl MVP, you end up trading him from a four first round pick. Yeah. You know, I remember when they cut Laura Moore, it's like, what are you doing? You're cutting your captain and 
an all-pro safety, but no. Yeah, yeah. They, the they, great they, whenever everybody was like, Richard Seymour. What type that. of moron would go and trade away a second and a seventh for Wes Welker? He's only had one TD and a punt returner for the Dolphins, and then he ends up, oh, because I know how to use him, and y'all didn't. Hey, and can now I, can we're I, bring up, I want to bring up something right here that's System. not Texas-related, but I don't want to bring it up because we're talking. I heard you talking about it on the Rodcast a couple weeks ago. Uh, you were talking about teams that have won you know, back-to-back Super Bowls that they – uh, they kind of re- had their own niche. They yeah, they have like so a, they, they have like an evolutionary uh, leap or adaptation that the, takes the rest of the league time to evolve or you, catch up to. You didn't mention you didn't mention the early nineties Cowboys, and it's and yeah, you got. Yeah, they said they had the the biggest offensive line in the history of the NFL okay. at the time. But that's I think, why that was their thing that set them apart. Okay. Nobody had an offensive line where every guy was three hundred pounds up until that. Here's point. where I think what you missed, what the real evolution of the of the the real thing those early nineties Cowboys brought to the NFL that's still being used today, the way you manage and view the draft and how you construct oh, the roster yeah. Oh, yeah. draft. I agree with that. Because you know that yeah. draft trade, the value yeah, chart. The value Jimmy Johnson chart created that value I agree chart. With that. Yeah. And Walker stuff. I was yeah. watching, it was a football, I want to say it was the Bill Belichick football life that yeah, I was watching, that. and him and Jimmy Johnson are fishing, fishing. in the Keys, yeah. mm-hmm. and they start talking ball, and I'm like, man, I was like, if you look at the way Jimmy Johnson was constructing that roster with the Cowboys, and Jimmy yeah. was kind of a gypsy, and he wasn't in a place very long, not like Belichick has been mm-hmm. for it to really come to fruition, but if you look at the way Bill Belichick constructs the roster, and look at the way Jimmy Johnson did, mm-hmm. a lot of similarities between the I way those that. two view football. I agree with that. Yeah, in terms of the value of players yeah. and how you're supposed to view players. Hell, the Russell Walker trade is a primary example. Yeah, like, it was like Hershey Walker. He's awesome. He's like, yeah, he is awesome. Watch all these damn picks I get for him. <laughs> right. The same thing on that same boat trip with Jimmy Johnson. They both mentioned the one main thing though. He's like, I'm never going to draft a dumb guy. He's like, they have yep. to be a smart guy to understand what I'm going to ask them to do. But they were talking about the value mm-hmm. of those picks and how the whole NFL was fearful when Jimmy came into it. They didn't want a rookie guy. They didn't want it. And Jimmy was like, no, I want to go out there and pick, handpick my guys, and I can go and in two drafts basically fill out a 24-man roster by moving all these different spots. And you identify that takes a lot of confidence. you got to know what you want and then draft the guys well, that can fit I, inside I, I'll it. also say Jimmy's job, I'm not going to lie, I, I think it may be easier than Belichick's job. And the reason and I say that is you got the salary cap that kicks in later mm-hmm. on, all right, that brings par- true parity to the league. And basically, Jimmy Johnson was tanking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh. So tanking is pretty easy. You just got to be really bad. Then you get all the really high picks. Belichick's never, Belichick doesn't even like high draft picks. Nah. When, when drafting is He's at never its easiest in the, first, in the first early rounds, he doesn't even like those. He likes second-round picks because second-round pick, their contracts aren't guaranteed. But – you still usually get first round talent, so that's his round. Go look, he's had more second round draft picks the last ten years than any team in the league. So the Lakers and that's Houston's the best value, not guaranteed contracts, mm-hmm. but also first round talent that other teams they 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 overdrafted or misdrafted or uh, didn't evaluate whatever, and they fall right to him. So that Belichick's genius to me. I think it surpasses Jimmy Johnson just a little bit. Jimmy, Jimmy yep. Jimmy's great. But Belichick's genius, that's why it has been yeah, so long-lasting. But here, here's, like, you look at Jimmy's first draft before they made the Herschel Walker trade. Get Troy Aikman with the number one overall pick. Yep. Top of the second round, you draft Steve Wisniewski, Pro Bowl player, trade him for draft picks. Set your next pick in the second round, Daryl Johnston, maybe the best full, one of the best fullbacks in the history of the league. I remember people didn't like that pick either. Third, yeah. third round, you take an undersized center, Mark Stepnowski, who starts in one of your Super Bowls, was an all-pro. Yeah, fourth, fourth round, you take Tony Tolbert, pass rusher, turns into a Pro Bowl player. Yeah. So that's in the first four rounds of your first draft, you draft – Five guys that ended up making Pro Bowls. One you trade for draft picks, and one ends up being in the Hall and of I'll Fame. And I'll say this. I think Jimmy Johnson may have been a better evaluator of like uh, overall talent in the uh-huh. draft than Belichick. You go look at Belichick's draft. There aren't all great drafts. They right. 
Now, he's consistent in his model, and he's got certain things that he believes in, but he's been terrible at drafting DBs. Like, you go look at it. There's some things in the draft he's been really – even just quarterbacks. He drafts a lot of quarterbacks, but, hell, most of them don't work For out sure at all. For sure, even all of his first-round picks. Yeah, yeah you know Brian I mean? Hoyer. But I think you're right. Jimmy had a great eye for talent. I think Belichick, Belichick's model – um, may be better and more, and maybe to me it's just more astounding. And that Belichick said to adjust the model because of the salary cap. Because of the salary cap, but yeah. that in 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 this modern age, that this dude finds undrafted free agents that end up being starting wide receivers who played lacrosse mm. and who played in the the you know Division three level. Like, Marist. What is like Julian Edelman played quarterback at Kent State? You know, they got oh he's our starting wide receiver. Oh he's second but to Jerry Rice in playoff receptions and yards. Like what the hell? Like that is the that to me is he takes a penny stock and he can turn it into like one of the one of the best stocks uh, on the stock market. That's how period. you take pick one ninety nine and turn him into the greatest quarterback you in know the history what I mean? of the game. That's what Belichick does. I think for for uh, Jimmy, Jimmy was just really good at eyeing talent and uh, bringing in talent for his system, like perfect talent. But it was usually, I mean, he was just good at drafting. Belichick, I don't know his. It, there are a lot of coaches. I think there are better draft or GMs that are better draft uh, coaches Individually. or draft GMs than him. He's just the it's collective what, it's what he finds late in the draft and outside of the draft that makes him so such a genius. And that's where all the big talent, like right now, you're talking about the second round picks because it's not nearly paid as much, and it's also almost about as similar as what they had all taken as first round picks. And it's the same reason why you're seeing in these NBA type trades whenever Houston offers off four first rounders for Jimmy Butler, it's like because we don't even want them. We want to have our roster full of these second round and undrafted guys, so then we can have all the max spots to get three. So yeah. then if you just get average from those rookies that you get a hand pick and fit inside, then you're as good as your superstars. And that's sort of the same thing that you see that's happening with the Patriots all the time because you know that Brady's not going to F this up and then the rest across the way are good players. We can fit those holes. But if we just fill out the rest of the roster and those are the type of players that you just explained are the ones that Belichick enjoys and is good at identifying. So it's a perfect formula. And it's the same way that you're going to see with Anthony Davis LeBron when they trade off the entire team and only have guys that are going to be out of buyout contracts or undrafted free agents or second rounders. And it's sort of that formula, though, as long as you get it right and know what you're identifying, just fill those five to be average and you're as good as your superstars. We saw with the Rockets last year, and it's a pretty good way to do it. And I want to close with this, and and this brings us back to Texas with signing day being this week. Everybody's going to get it caught up, and and you should, in the Brew McCoys and the Jordan Whittingtons and the Jake Smiths and the high-end guys in this class. But really where you build your roster, where you establish talented depth, is can you take your three-star guys, your lower four-star guys, and your three-star guys and turn those guys into players? And Nicole McCoy. I will look look at Tom Herman's first recruiting class, a class that Charlie Strong put it together a little bit, but these are the guys that were rated below national top 300 prospects. They were starting with 302 overall and on down. And I want you to tell me how many of these guys have either started, play, or will be significant players. This is in the 2017 class. Josh Thompson, Reese Lato, Marquez Bimage, Kobe Boyce, Derek Kerstetter, Daniel Young, Jordan Pouncey, Cade Brewer, Sam Cosme, Rob Cummins, Jamari Chisholm, Josh Rowland. Yeah. It's a lot of damn guys that have played significant not football. Really, yeah, it's not really a wasted scholarship there with any of those guys. I know some of those guys are probably going to end up transferring if they haven't already. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you're getting a lot of quality reps out of those guys already. And, hell, yeah. it's just the second year. 
under those guys. So a lot of those guys still haven't even gotten to the point where they're competing for starting jobs yet. That'll be this year, some of those guys competing for actual starting jobs. But they've already gotten quality reps. 2018 class, and think about how many of these guys you heard about during bowl practices is, hey, this is a guy to watch out for this spring. Rafidi Germay, Moro Ojimo, Byron Vaughns, Daniel Carson, Christian Jones, and then you've got Ryan Bushevsky and Cameron Dicker. Yeah, and you're getting fewer of those. See, it's a good, it's good, right? Because you're getting fewer of those guys that are outside. What'd you say? The three hundred outside the national top three hundred, top three hundred, three hundred one. But you're right. I mean, ultimately, those are the guys that are going to lift the floor of your class. The ceiling is you got your five stars and your Gatorade players of the years and all these kind of guys. That's the ceiling. Yeah, those guys are supposed to be uh, future NFL prospects. But if you want to keep the bust percentage, as we always talk about, really low. And you want to make sure that's them because that determines if you have a good class or a bad class. And we've determined that's the key. That's all about developing those guys outside of that top 300. It should be easy to evaluate the guys in the top 300. They're in the top 300. Like and if you miss on them, you're screwed. In the, in the first and the second round. I was like, well, yeah, of course Jerry Jones is supposed to find talent in the first and the second damn round. It's the first and the second round. Yeah. It's the largest pool of talent to right. choose from. You can't, you can't find talent there, then you're bad at your job. But when that talent pool shrinks considerably, it's outside that top 300. When it's really tough to find those guys who have a high ceiling to be an all-conference player or to be an All-American or to be an NFL prospect. And the fact that that 2017 numbers are really, really impressive, man. Because that was the – it's not – some people saw it a throwaway class. It is – you know, it's a, it's the transition class. and it's It really, could have been a class that just ravaged by attrition. And I think most transition classes, you expect a really high mm-hmm. bus rate. You know what I mean? Yeah, or attrition transfers. rate. Yeah, because it's just – it's a transition different class. Different players for – Yeah, depending on guys. when they come in. Hell, you mm-hmm. might not have even had a total cycle to recruit those guys, depending on the timeline. So – for him to have that number really high and then to have that 2018 number really low of prospects outside the top 301 shows me that the the recruiting is heading, is trending in the right direction. Yeah, and yeah. it sort of just makes me think of the perfect marriage where you get the overachieving three stars, like say, like I brought up earlier, a guy like Colt McCoy, but then you get, add that to then you yeah. get those five stars that you don't hit on. It reminds me of that 08, 09 time. I I think Acho was a three But think star, about that 2005. We always Sam Acho was, I believe, yeah. Yeah, yeah one of the Achos was. You talk about the 2005 class, and it was nothing fancy, but it was sort of like what we're saying right now. There yeah. aren't really any busts, and it's sort of like that foundational class from yeah. that 08, 09, and that's sort of like the 17. And then if you actually can ride momentum and add the five stars and have top players come in the way that you saw by the end of that, you had all of your different five stars. With, you know, I mean, Errol wasn't a five star, but Curtis Brown was, and Shockey, and mm-hmm. you know, Aaron Williams, and those guys getting added into the mix. It really makes you have that full roster if you get those overachieving under guys because I don't think these guys are going to miss on those top five Rod, guys going right? back, yeah, and I think I think the brilliance with this staff going back to your point about value how many guys shot their rankings shot up through their senior year watching senior video or all-star games I mean and we saw it happen with, with Jordan Whittington was one of those guys mm-hmm. Jake Smith ends up being the Gatorade player of the year yep. Tyler Owens becomes a five-star prospect Kenyatta Watson Marcus Washington David Benda Chris Adamora Myron Warren all those guys were guys that are national guys at 24-7 started watching senior video and game video are like man that's a really good find by Texas really good eval yeah he deserves to be in the top 300, the top 150, the top 100, or whatever. Yeah, it's like, like they uh, they got on that stock early before yeah. most people got on those those yeah. stocks for those guys, and they started yeah. trending in the right direction. So I think that just tells you not only are they getting the big, not only are they getting guys like Brew McCoy and Jordan Whittington and the big time guys, but they're funny. You know, like I said, the guys like Myron Warren and the yeah. guys that might be a little under the radar, Tyler yeah. Owens, and 
by the end of the process, those penny stocks, as you would call them, Rod, yeah. they become, yeah. I don't know what the term would be. I got we got to find a stock big money. Guy, but yeah. Big money. Yeah. Big money stocks. I don't yeah, know. I'm not a trader. Traders. I don't know. Yeah, but you end up. Not penny stocks. You end up a wealthy man because you turn those penny stocks into something. Well, that's what Wolf of Wall Street, right? And then basically how he started. He started because he used to sell these penny stocks and you could buy them for nothing, but. The, uh, the 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 growth potential was huge. Like yeah. you actually hit on one of these damn things, the value was exponential, and that's what you're talking about in recruiting or in the draft. Like you want, that's where you're really gonna make your money. Is when yeah. you can you can hit big on one of those those penny stocks that uh, nobody has really seen the value yet. You have kind of jumped on the bandwagon before everybody. Yep. I your NFL rookie quarterback on a lower ground draft grade the same oh, the way Col- like Russell Wilson. The, Col- the Colts yeah. with Darius Leonard. Yeah. Right? He's an old pro as a what was he? What was he? A third, fourth round, something like that. I don't even know where he got drafted. He was fourth. He, he was late. I know that. And yeah. he's now an pro, uh, you know, linebacker. So yeah, it's the penny stocks I'm talking about. Uh, all right, gentlemen, that uh, that's gonna do it for this week's show. We will uh, we'll do it again next week. Uh, hey, can I got one thing I want to bring up. Did you go to the the alumni baseball game? I did. Yes, you did. Yeah, you watched Roger throw. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now I, I now they have they have players who are currently playing in the majors who play in the game. Uh, all those guys are they're in professional professional organizations. Okay, so minor leaguers. So the so the guys who are in the pros right now they don't play in the game. They just attend the game. No, they play a lot. A lot of your pitch. A lot of pitchers won't play. Uh, Organizations don't want them to pitch. Okay, so I was wondering. I was like, so why don't other sports have alumni games? Well, Well, football would be tough. You don't want your guy to go get hurt. Oh, true, true. Yeah, yeah. Flag football, like like Ben Chilling, doing it for the last three or four years. Why don't you do a flag football alumni game? No, they do do some of these. Or a basketball alumni game. We got enough basketball players in the NBA. You could have like two different rosters. But they have some of these. I just saw a hilarious video. No, it was two NFL teams reenacting some game from like 20 years ago. They did it one offseason. But, yeah, this I think it was that Immaculate Reception team that did that like 20 years later in flags. But I think they've done it. I've seen only a time or two for charity. Like it's an event. Like Yeah, fantasy baseball. They do the alumni baseball. Game. Yeah, right. yeah. It's crazy to me. They don't do an alumni flag football game because all the players. Well, live here Texas anyway. should get or an a basketball. basketball. No, Texas game, is one of the, the few. players. You know what I mean? In the NBA, they have. Hell, I don't know. I don't get the that. Problem, no, that's a good the problem idea. I think you would run into with basketball is when basketball practice starts. I think the NBA preseason's already started. Oh yeah, yeah. But well, we're saying doing it in the summer. Yeah, you can do another time. Yeah, the timeline like, like they're doing right now. Do it whenever Kevin Durant can do it. Yes, exactly. Whatever Kevin Durant can do it, we'll do it. I just want to say how it's always. Kentucky does do this. Kentucky basketball's done it before because I've seen cousins out there. Hey, Chris Del Conte. CDC, get on that, baby. Yeah, that's what we're really saying is that makes so much money for charity. I'll be in tra- that'll be my job. I'll do it. Dude, everybody would be it. on that. Flag football with touch with BY out there throwing. Oh, flag would Jamal be awesome. Charles. Are you serious? Yes. Well, all day. Oh, right what now. What we're really the, saying the is Rod B wants one more chance to go lock down someone on the Pretty outside. Much. Yes. I mean, get Roy. Let's just get him. I, I might not with, 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 with Cedric Griffin and Michael Griffin in town and A. Ross in town. I'm not lying. Rod B might not even get an invite <sighs> to the to the Texas alumni football game because be, I might not be able to make the two. You be back. You be back in your own nickel roll like you were with Bull Reese. I'll yeah. be like 99 right now. You'll be the guy yeah. rushing be, the quarterback. Does that mean we got to get you the Reebok jersey with the oversized sleeves hey, to wear? I have to, man. But I'm just, I, I, I got really excited. I was like, man, I want to go to the baseball game, and then I, I couldn't make it. And I'm thinking to myself, I was like, why don't they have a football or a basketball? One, yeah, we, I mean, just that, from the retired players that have been on this oh show before, we could just get a Longhorn Blitz version and dude, do it. It'd be so much fun. We would lose our minds. Yeah, it was dude. the baseball game was insane. Watching Roger Clemens at 56 or whatever out there throwing splitters, you Come know, on, getting guys to chase in the dirt. Dude, 
dude, I would um, love Eric Metcalf. Oh, here, Rod, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this, right? We're talking about alumni flag football game. Here's okay. how. I, here's if you want to make this happen. Here's how I think you do it. I think you guarantee this is when Chris Sims makes his return to the 40 Oh, that would be awesome. The, that would be yes. awesome. Oh, oh, we should have a Sims versus major team. Yeah. Major <laughs> team and Sims team for the first one. Everybody would love that. Yes. Major you know how many people in this town would buy yes. tickets team for that? Sims yes. Team who do? Who are you with? Yes. Major didn't get hired yet. We got to work on this. Even if he was a coach, I think he'd still come back and do it. We got to do it for charity. Maybe yeah. we do it for Between charity. Between you, Bo and Shannon, y'all can get Sims back. Remember watching in the book of meaning? Sims versus Major flag football game. Oh my God, I'm getting really excited about Did this. you remember watching in the Book of Manning whenever all the old Miss guys, I mean, you li- literally had Archie Manning, and he, he was 60 years old out there running around and oh, juking. Good. They put on, I mean, they were gray. The linemen no. were gray, and they put on pads and played real. <laughs> I'm not lying. Watch the Book of Manning. They had the footage, and Archie's running around like he did in 1966, <laughs> oh, and Peyton and his kids were That's like, great. this was whenever, Pey- I guess Cooper was in college, Peyton was a senior or in college, somewhere yeah. around there, and this was like in early late nineties or something like that. It's a hilarious video to watch. Oh, dude, that's he was like great. Peyton's. I, Peyton's well, one narrating and be like, these guys shouldn't have been out there. They were like sixty and I hunched know, and over. They could die. They must <laughs> sign a waiver. And before we go, before we leave, I know we gotta we're up against it here, but. I think we do it for a few years. I like the team major, mm-hmm. team Sims idea for the first one. Dude, that would sell out DK. Yes. I'm telling you, everybody would Let's settle it once and for all. <laughs> we should give, and then the game two, give, give Chance Mocketeen the next year to take on Vince or something. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> oh, and then we can David go. Ash, in we get a Tyrone Swoops and Gerard Hurd yeah. team. Yeah. We're going to settle Shade Mouchel later and then Sam in the future. We're going to settle every quarterback. Bring back Jevin that. Sneed but to take on Cole. I think ultimately, and I like that Gerard idea. Gerard Harris can take on it, Garrett Gilbert. <laughs> I think ultimately it evolves into the rekindling of the Texas, uh, Texas-Texas A&M rivalry. If we That's can't get it on the field, we go Texas versus Texas A&M. Reggie McNeil, legends. come on. Yeah, the legends, legends of each. Legends flag football. Legends flag football game, baby. Come on now, wouldn't you? I would, I would pay money to yep. watch it, honestly, yep. if I wasn't invited to play. Man, this is a business. You'd be, honestly, you'd be, there'd be fights out there. It'd be, it would get really ugly. It would probably be one of those things where, I don't know if you could, like, you don't want kids out there. It'd be crazy. It'd be wild. We could start a network and do it in all these schools, people are back man. a little bit. Yeah, you're right. You, you can't yeah. have fans. Right? Yeah, you're right. That's what I'm saying. you got to have a stadium because you can't do it at, like, a... Like a park or something. That's the one thing baseball has been ahead of the game in. Somehow they were ahead of the game in analytics, and then they had these fantasy camps. Remember Keith Keith Moreland would go and and Keith Moreland would be out there running. Remember it's it's also when Kramer went and hit Mickey, and remember the Seinfeld (laughs) episode, and Kramer goes to the Yankee fantasy camp. I'm just saying it's a great idea, guys. For charity, for charity. Yes. Rod, I'm telling you, this is something. This could be part of your legacy. You need to get on this, dude. I think I'm just saying. I think it'd be. I think the Longhorn community would love it. I think it'd be so much fun. And people have done it before. It's not like a new thing. But the Nobody's baseball team does it. it. Everybody should do it, man. Kevin Durant would come back for that, and Chris Sims would come back for that. I think. You know, Chris Sims was supposed awesome. to be on with Trey and BK during Super Bowl week, and something <laughs> happened, and that yeah. interview got canceled. Oh, oh I know. <laughs> when they told me, it was like Chris Sims is coming on. I was like, okay. <laughs> they're like, no, no, we got him. We got him. I was like, okay. <laughs> and the next day, I heard nothing about it. I was like, did y'all get Sims? He's like, no. I was like, I knew that. <laughs> That's the reason I don't ask Sims to do these shows. Sims, like, well, he, he does not want to do these shows. He did the he buffet does. with us once. Yeah, exactly. And, and he we did, did it, that, like, and it was good. And I don't ask those guys to do that kind of stuff. But he, he's going to come back one day, and I think that's a great way to get him back, man. I'm with you.
This, this is this is my new mission. We need to get get Chris get Sims this, back to the forty eight. We got enough connections. Oh, we Sims can make this fun. thing happen. Get Chris this Sims back humor. to the forty eight. He's great. He came yeah. on Levitar Show for seventy oh, no, consecutive awesome. days. I, I learned a lot about Chris he's Sims in that man. many interviews. Yeah, he's damn good at his job. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B, appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049 on AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear this show each and every week. Thanks to Matt. You can get us anywhere you get your podcasts and always get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horn's 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.